This episode is presented by the Sports Management Summit Latin America 2020, a one-day virtual event free of charge where worldwide recognized leaders from the sports industry will be sharing best practices with the clear objective of contributing to the transformation of the business of sports in Latin America and globally. You can register for free at sportsmanagementlatam.com. That's sportsmanagementlatam.com. Welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronen Einbinde. This show explores the intersection between sports, business, and technology. Are you ready? Let's go! now is a co-founder, a sports writer, a policy expert, an academic coordinator, and more. This man can do it all. Interviewing from Mexico City to Canberra, Australia, is a sports media legend and a sports tech enthusiast. He's the co-founder of Sportages, a media platform that is challenging the status quo of the sports media industry by providing innovative and quality content. His interests cover everything from diversity and inclusion in sports to tech and innovation. Buckle up for today's halftime snack with Sushan Heshi. Thanks a lot, Ronan. Thank you for having me, and I really appreciate the humbling introduction, mate. It's great to finally host you, Sushan. First of all, let's talk about your background. How did you first got involved into the sports business? How did you even come up with Sportageous? And by the way, how did you even come up with such a legendary name? It's, it's interesting as to how I got involved with sports business. Um, in all honesty, it was an accident and a mistake. And I think that when you're running a startup, you often come across uh, founders of sports businesses and so on who don't actually intend to get into the business. And that's really what happened. Uh, Sportagis is the product of a few friends constantly talking about sports in a WhatsApp group. And the main idea behind it was that myself and my fellow co-founders, Furkan and Hassan, we were fed up with the lack of credit given to fans of sport and the assumption that, you know, we will consume anything that's fed to us, whether it's clickbait content random rumors and memes that don't necessarily contribute to productive and progressive, innovative sports conversations. And we just felt that there is room and space to have a platform that provides that smart sports content and at the same time enables people to gain access to stories within sports that are smart, innovative, in-depth. And of course, one of the other things that we do at Sportages is providing that human element to the story. It's funny because I don't necessarily come from a sports background, but I've always enjoyed sports and really love sports in general. And, you know, I've played a lot of sport myself uh, from basketball and football or soccer and all the way to what I mostly get up to nowadays, which is either rock climbing or playing squash and coming from a background which you sort of alluded to in political science and academia 
I've been fortunate enough to, you know, really get into the depth of academic writing and research and being able to sort of transition that and bring it into sport has been nothing short of incredible and exciting. So that's a little bit about what, you know, what, how I got into Sportages and um, the team itself is quite diverse. We come from lots of different backgrounds. My co-founders, one is an engineer, the other one comes from a marketing background and works in a marketing space. So having all those diverse uh, areas of expertise has really enabled us to grow as an organization. And I wouldn't say that, you know, by any means, we're at a point where Sportages is a huge company, but the amount that we've achieved, considering that we're completely bootstrapped, has been incredible. And to see the sort of support and uh, positive feedback that we've gotten so far, you know, continue or pushes us to continue on. So it's been it's been fantastic. And, you know, we're, we're really relishing everything that we get to do by Sportages. And, and how did you come up with the, with the name? Uh, the name was a funny one. We were just thinking about, you know, what we should call sport, what we should call the company. And we did want to give it a spin on, on sports. And one of the things that I did in a past life was make a lot of hip hop music and, you know, write, write rap lyrics essentially. And I thought, let's give it a, let's give a bit of a spin on sport. And the fact that we're doing something that is, you know, goes along with the lines of our slogan, which is challenging the status quo of sports media uh, and bringing in courageous with sports, sportageous, you know, a sports platform that is that is uh, unique and it's challenging things. And that's sort of how sportageous came to be. And it was honestly just brainstorming a few different ideas and coming up with that title. That's awesome, man. I really love the name. And you know, what I also like about Sportageous is the fact that it's something that comes from the fans to the fans. So fans won't feel that they're being sold by someone that doesn't understand it. I feel like uh, coming from fans like you guys as well, it, it, it makes it feel human, as you mentioned. But given your expertise in the field, I want to hear your opinion about uh, sports media. What's one thing you love and one thing you hate about the media side of sports and businesses? Without a doubt, you know, the world that we're in today, sports media has a lot of fascinating new outlets and mediums through which content is being, you know, provided to the consumer. And nowadays, particularly in this contemporary day and age, what I really like is the ability for sports media outlets to be able to share stories of cinematic proportions. You know, we've seen documentaries like the All or Nothing series on Amazon. We've seen very recently Free Solo winning an Oscar for Best Documentary, uh, which, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal documentary uh, on climbing. It is breathtaking. Similarly, uh, when it comes to sports media, these cinematic stories and what you're able to convey to people through them is it creates this sense of hope and aspiration, inspiration, this opportunity to really inspire the youth, get involved, uh, and also, I guess, keep healthy and fit, even if they're not going to take up sports professionally. 
but also at the same time you're able to hear the stories of sporting heroes that you love and learn about what it really takes to get into the world of uh, athletics and being an athlete and competing at the highest level because it isn't easy by any means and to see what you can do to really achieve that so i think that side of the sports media industry is is amazing and uh, you know, being able to watch and learn about that stuff is incredible. And I think um, I really, really dislike clickbait, rumors, and not in all cases, but in most cases, uh, memes. And the problem around this is, and unfortunately, this is how, how the industry has sort of become as of late, uh, with, with, you know, quick fixes and very, very short attention spans, unfortunately, due to social media platforms that you put in an article which has the most ridiculous title and, you know, this will enable you to get clicks and that's obviously clickbait. Rumors, you know, we saw the whole uh, messy story as of, as of late and what ended up happening, you know, he's staying at Barcelona and I recognize that that's an important discussion because, for example, uh, Lionel Messi actually coming out and speaking against the the Barcelona administration is something which is very unique and should be covered because it hadn't been done uh, by him prior to this. But, you know, one of the most ridiculous things I, I came across was Lionel Messi's headed to Arsenal. You know, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm a gooner. And I found that to be the funniest thing. Yet there were at least 25 articles that I came across. Clickbait, people are going to get into it, rumors as well, read about it, laugh about it, joke about it. What did you get out of it? Nothing. And that's my problem. Do we assume, is it fair for sports media companies to assume that fans of sport are idiots or fools? Do we take that as a basis for all the content that we make? And I'm not going to name... Um, any organizations in particular, because all of them do good work, but some of them tend to stray more towards this path, just desperate to get clicks and get the attention of people uh, to come onto their platforms and consume their content, whether it's you know written audio and video. And in all honesty, that is that is my biggest calm with uh, sports media, and I think that this can be done. A lot better and there are a lot of organizations popping up now uh, I'd particularly obviously mention the athletic is doing a great job and sort of providing in-depth sports content yeah I, I totally agree with you and we're gonna touch on that a little bit later but yep. you know um, as a fact that you like to question out the myths and breaking them once in a while What are two or three myths surrounding sports, tech, innovation that you have discovered and why are they important? We have a section at Sportages called Breaking Myths and the idea around it is that we look at assumptions that we've heard or come across and try to present the facts. And, you know, these are a bit more specific to perhaps historical analysis of sports. And uh, one of the, one of the uh, you know, articles or features that we did that uh, had an overwhelmingly positive response is, 
interestingly, around the corner for you um, with the 1950 World Cup, which took place in Brazil, there is this long-standing myth that the Indian football team, which was invited to come and play at the tournament, refused to do so because they were not, they did not want to play football without shoes. And, you know, that, that sounds like a really funny story and it's, and it's exciting and it's great. But the fact of the matter is that the World Cup was just not a big deal at the time. And in the 1950s, to ship a whole team uh, all the way from the Indian subcontinent to South America was well over most people's budgets uh, and most countries' budgets, for that matter. And, you know, we took a look into that and that was actually what happened and not, in fact, that... Uh, they didn't want to pl uh, play because they weren't allowed to wear shoes. Yes, when they played, I believe, a tournament before that, they weren't allowed to go on unless they put on shoes, which they did. Uh, and that's one of the one of the myths that you know we broke at Sportages, and it was really fun to see people's response because a lot of people assume based on this folklore that this kind of thing is common. Another one that I recently came across and did a piece on was. Uh, had to do with uh, our, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the the author of Sherlock Holmes. And what a lot of people might not know is Arthur Conan Doyle was a very, very avid sports fan and athlete. So he played cricket at the almost the most at the most professional level possible in the late 1800s. He also played football uh, as a goalkeeper and represented a team in Portsmouth. And when you go to Portsmouth, from what I've heard, I haven't been personally, uh, a lot of people say, oh, did you know that Arthur Conan Doyle played for Portsmouth FC, the team that we know today? In reality, uh, he did play for a Portsmouth team, but it wasn't uh, the Portsmouth FC that we know today, rather a pre an indirect predecessor that was an amateur Portsmouth team. And, you know, we just talked a little bit about that. It's a bit of fun and, you know, myths have their place. And, you know, there's another famous myth of, of Michael Jordan gambling away all his money from basketball. And, you know, that's another one which isn't exactly the case. So there are a lot of these stories that there is space to talk about and really share and for people to learn about and learn a little bit more on, you know, what sporting history is. And that's how we sort of come into that space. And in regards to tech and innovation, I don't, I haven't personally looked into it too much, but I'm sure there's something or the other that's around. And uh, it's definitely something that I will, along with the team, consider moving forward because, you know, breaking myths is one of the things we do. And I personally enjoy doing it a lot. Yeah, I actually remember uh, from watching The Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan, how uh, the drama around, oh, he's a gambler and... He likes to bet, you know, and at the end of the day, he was coming back to the, to the court to play and he was still the best player. And it's, I think it's just because the media is their junkies of drama. They, they love drama as long as they can, you know, create drama out of something and that's, that's going to help them sell or something. So that's the only reason they do it. But I love what you what you do in in Sportages, and I love this side of you know breaking myths. I'm a big fan of it, and you know coming back to uh, the question before, most of the followers of the podcast 
are sports fans one way or another. And we as sports fans, we're victims to fake news in the industry. What is your take on fake news in the sports industry? And how can we as sports consumers detect them? How would you say we could report them? Or how can we fight against fake news in the sports industry? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I think um, at a, on a global and larger scale, fake news in general is quite problematic. And while in sports, it doesn't always have the same impact, perhaps on a political level, it can create a lot of, uh, I guess, unnecessary hype and also impact athletes and sports administrators and so on. And a very good example of this was actually uh, during the start of the pandemic. You know, I was quite shocked as to how many prominent and accomplished sports professionals were sharing this story on social media and particularly on LinkedIn. And Ronan, you might have come across it yourself. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo converting his hotels into COVID-19 clinics. You know, that's, that's a great story. We all know that Cristiano Ronaldo does a lot for charities and, you know, helping people and so do a lot of other athletes. However, he did not convert any of his hotels into COVID-19 clinics. And I think this is a problem because it creates this false sense of status that, you know, an athlete is doing this. And it isn't just a problem on, on this legacy that it necessarily creates, but it's also a problem on how it may impact that athlete under the assumption or the guise that they, that, you know, we have an assumption, a pedestal that we put this athlete onto and we have this expectation that they must do something like this and you know people sharing this getting hundreds of likes on social media commending you know the great cristiano ronaldo for the work that he's doing but what was the outcome of that nothing why because it wasn't true <laughs> and and that's the biggest problem of fake news you're diverting the attention from issues that actually matter and you know both on a sporting level on a political level at a global level essentially this does not create anything positive in fact it only it's only uh divisive and creates more negative outcomes and negative outlooks for people and i guess in terms of your second question which is how to de detect it uh, my go-to means for this is don't always consume your news from social media. Uh, what social media algorithms often do is they'll feed you what you want to see. If you click on a lot of content from a particular sports platform, you're going to continue getting content from there. And you're not going to get to hear other stories from different political aisles, different sporting perspectives, whatever so it may be. And this isn't good because, you know, then you're essentially stuck in a bubble. Uh, the second thing that I personally do is cross-check it. So if we're talking about the Cristiano Ronaldo story, when I first came across that, you know, having been in the industry for a small amount of time, but, you know, generally 
being involved in, 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 in media and writing and so on, I've seen, I, I, I have a tendency to pick up at sometimes whether something seems a bit far-fetched or not. And when I saw the Cristiano Ronaldo story, I was like, hey, hold on a second. This, <laughs> this seems a bit odd. And, you know, I go and look it up and, you know, there's already a fact check piece up about it. And no, it's not true. There's no me major media publication that's reported it and it's all random clickbaity websites that are telling you that you know he he's made covid 19 clinic hotels so always cross cross check what you do don't necessarily look for your source of news through social media go out and find good reputable journalists who share stories on sports and make sure that you know you're keeping an eye out for what they're saying and always verify those stories across multiple different uh news outlets that's what i'd suggest if you're trying to detect fake news wow sushan that's that's really fascinating i think that uh social networks like twitter are double-edged swords which you know, are fantastic to hear about things and to learn about new things. But at the same time, it's, it, it, it shares the room with, with the worst guy that you can meet. And if you start listening to the worst guy, then, I, I mean, you're going to get so distracted from what's valuable. And I think that's where those, those companies uh, lose in a way. I think if those companies learn how to how to prevent uh fake news either in sports or in politics or in any other science to spread if they learn how to, to to stop the spread of fake news i think social networks will be a, a, a better place for everyone and you know sushan my, my last question because you know it's a halftime snack so my last question is a very personal one and i want to know what advice would you give to a young you know graduate who wants to work in the sports industry or someone that's just starting and, you know, is interested in sports, what would you recommend? I think it's uh, what I would say in the first instance is, I mean, I'm no expert in the sports industry per se, but I am learning a lot about sports business. Uh, and what I've recognized and sort of realized is to a large extent, the industry is quite ruthless. Um, It isn't easy to, you know, get your foot into the door. However, there are a lot of great people that you come across if you're able to market yourself, if you're able to take and are willing to take risks. And you're good with, to some extent, and have the ability to dedicate your time to social media uh, in promoting what you are able to give to this industry there is definitely a lot of opportunity for a young graduate uh, to come into this space. One thing that I will say uh, that I've realized over my time in running a startup within uh, sports is go do that internship, you know, give it a few months, even if it's not paid. Look, my belief is that paid internships are a luxury for people who who live in very, very well-developed economies, which I'm fortunate enough to do being uh, an Australian and living in Australia. But, you know, coming from a background, uh, my family's originally from Pakistan. I grew up in the Middle East. 
lived there for most of my life. And I've seen a lot of people who really go ground up and work hard and give those six months to a year in an internship, pick up all those skills, go into a job interview after that, present those skills. People are blown away by how many skills they've accumulated without ever even having a full-time paid job. And that really tends to help them. If there's one thing I would say, and it is this, go do that internship, give it your all, take that risk, market yourself on social media. It's okay if you're getting paid or not getting paid. If you are all well and good, that's fantastic. Unfortunately, not everyone gets that opportunity, especially not in most parts of the world. Some places are just luckier than others, but not all of them are, and I think that's okay. If you can do that unpaid internship, you're probably going to do much, much, much better than most other people when you do get that paid gig. And that's what, it's, that's what it's about, getting in, making that happen. If you have the passion, you have what it takes, you're willing to do the hard yards, you're going to get there. Just give it your all. And I truly believe from the experience that I've had working with uh, young graduates, both when I was working in, in academia myself, um, working with students, seeing all the things that they're up to, and then also now being in this space and having, uh, you know, interns working with us at Sportages uh, and being able to sort of teach them, guide them and direct them and also provide them with opportunities to really own projects and answer questions uh, regarding things they want to learn about. You just have to give it your all and work hard. And I really think that if you perhaps incorporate some of what I've just said, you will get some benefit out of it and get your foot into that door. And that's what you want. I love that, Susha. That's super inspiring. And I think that's a great place to wrap today's conversation. I want to thank you for joining the call to, uh, to be the, on the show. Your insight and your analysis is one of a kind. And I found it super interesting. I hope we get the chance to grab some snacks again in the future. But for now, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Ronan. It's an absolute pleasure and you're doing a fantastic job and I wish you all the best with Halftime Snacks and I'm looking forward to tuning in myself in the future and seeing how the, the podcast grows and also how you know your journey in sports and sports tech uh, grows and I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, mate. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week! <laughs>